You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. It happens to all of us. You're enjoying yourself at a party, and somebody comes up to you and asks you to look at a bothersome rash or wants to know whether their headache is a brain tumor. So you wonder, what should you do? Should you offer a professional opinion? And could you be held liable if the advice is wrong? Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Jim Bream, an attorney with the offices of Query and Harrow. Jim concentrates on the defense of hospitals, managed care organizations, and physicians in professional liability programs. He has handled cases in the trial and appellate courts and is a featured speaker and guest lecturer on various healthcare and medical legal issues. So, Jim, what is the answer? Let's uh, say I'm at this party. I'm having a nice time. Okay, can I stop you there? Sure. If someone's coming up to me at a party with a bothersome rash, yes. I'm leaving. <laughs> All right, well, as a physician, I don't mind when people come up to me with a bothersome rash. Uh, I, I went into medicine, actually, to help people. That's good and comforting because, you know, I know we're here in the studio, but could you take a look at that right there? That open, festering wound, something I should attend to. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to comment on it, but I don't have any records here to document the encounter. So Now, let me ask you this. Why would it be important for you to have records to document the encounter? Uh, I need to document the encounter so that, God forbid, down the road, if something was to occur, there was a record of what I said to you and what I did for you. So you could sue me. Do you feel that at the cocktail party you're in the appropriate clinical setting to best evaluate that bothersome rash, that open wound, that suspected uh, hypertension, or somebody telling you that they've had uh, persistent and chronic headaches? Is that the best place for you as a practitioner to be able to evaluate the problem? It is a resounding no, Jim. However, it occurs frequently, weekly, monthly. Number one, I think we can all agree that the cocktail party is not an appropriate environment for the distribution of clinical advice or for the evaluation of someone's presenting problem. Agreed. Okay. The foundational question, though, is have you even established a physician-patient relationship? Excellent, excellent question. Whether this is Aunt Bessie or Joe from down the street, there needs to be a physician-patient relationship. Let's talk about Aunt Bessie. The lore or the folklore is that family members will never sue you. And I read about it. I hear about it. I have never been sued by a family member. But when I tell my family that, listen, I can't do this, you'll, you'll sue me. And they say, what are you talking about, Larry? I'm not going to sue you ever. And the, the truth of the matter is they may. I got news for you. Not only they may, they will, and they do, and they do it frequently. Whether it's in an automobile accident and the passenger sues the driver and they're from the same family under the insurance policy, there are numerous cases out there where a family member has drowned in someone else's pool and they sue the owner of the pool who happens to be a brother, a brother-in-law, a cousin, an uncle, and it happens within the realm of malpractice as well. I recently defended a case in which the brother was a practicing radiologist on staff and interpreted the child's uh, head ultrasounds after birth, and the family sued the hospital. Didn't sue the brother, right. but sued the hospital where he was a prominent staff member. So it does happen. You shouldn't look at that and accept that myth at all. Has a mother ever sued a child? If you can pose the question, I can pose the answer that I'm sure somewhere it's happened. You can't rest on some sort of supposition that simply because this is a family member that they're not going to sue you. I can ask this question of you. Have family relations ever gone astray? 
Yes, they have, Jim. I think there's your answer. But let's talk about why we need to be concerned about this formation of a physician-patient relationship. This is a consensual relationship. There has to be agreement by the patient who is seeking the services and by the provider who is going to give or render the services. It has to be consensual. Once that relationship exists, a duty arises. It's just like receiving that telephone call from the random patient that you've never treated before, and you would not dispense advice over the telephone for that individual. You don't want to create a physician-patient relationship before you're ready to assume the duties and responsibilities. That's where the cocktail party issue comes in. Jim, you just mentioned the phone call from someone who's not a patient. I can tell you personally, I got a phone call two months ago from my wife's friend's my wife's friend, and she was calling to ask about her husband. And first of all, I hate when the wife gets on the phone to talk about the husband. I say, please, let me talk to the patient, because, you know, the wife is always controlling and trying to give the story. And so I get the husband on the phone, and he hasn't had a bowel movement in three days, and he's morbidly obese. I say, listen, I'm, I'm not your physician. This could be something very serious. I think you should go to the emergency room right now. He says, well, I don't want to go to the emergency room. What else can I do? So I said, okay, why don't you take some milk of magnesia, and if it doesn't work, in four hours, go to the emergency room. Turns out he doesn't do anything, I say. Two days later, he's having emergency surgery for a bowel obstruction. I feel terrible. Again, they call a few weeks later for more advice, and I have to say, listen, um, I can't do this anymore. You're not a patient of mine. You never come into the office. You put me in a terrible situation here. You don't listen to me. And the worst thing in the world happens. I can get sued. And they say, what are you talking about? We're not going to sue you. What can I say to those people so that they don't think I'm a jerk? Let's take it to the extreme. That's not so extreme. He has that bowel obstruction. He suffers from a necrotic bowel. He ruptures peritonitis sepsis. You know him? You, you got the case already? <laughs> <laughs> I know these kinds of cases. So after his demise, what are you left with? You're left with the wife who's angry and bitter, and she says... Which she was to begin with. She says, we called this doctor on the telephone, and you know what? He didn't tell us that this could be a bowel obstruction. He didn't tell us that this could lead to rupture. He didn't tell us that the, one of the consequences was death. So the first question... I have to answer when I get that lawsuit in is, was there a physician-patient relationship that was created? If you started to dispense medical advice, even if you said to the patient, look, I can't do much for you right now, but I'm accepting you as a patient and I want you to make an appointment on Tuesday, the law in many states, if not most states, will find that a relationship does exist at that point. Is there any other field that you can think of, Jim, where people do this? Where Do people come up to you at a cocktail party and say, uh, can you create a will for me for free? I think that lawyers and physicians do find themselves in that same sort of party situation where they may not be coming up to me and asking me to create a will. They come up to me and ask me, hey, by the way, I just did this investment. Do you think that that's an appropriate investment that for me to protect myself from, from taxes. Or someone may come up to me and say, by the way, I'm a physician and I've been sued for malpractice and yeah, this is what's so ongoing. <laughs> right? I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have the same sort of situation where somebody's seeking free advice. And we as lawyers, as you as physicians, 
we want to take the same precautions in making sure that we're not creating that relationship. Okay, so we're we're slowly approaching the end of the show, and you said you'd give me a sound bite. What do I say to my wife's friend so she does not think her friend's husband is a jerk and a pompous physician? What can I say that will get me out of the situation and I will look nice? My concerns, dear individual, are always with the best interests of the patient. And in order for me to carry through the best interests of the patient, I need to see the individual in a setting where we have an appropriate physician-patient relationship. And a cocktail party or a telephone call is not that situation. I would urge you to either come to my office or to find another physician that's close to your home and convenient for you where you can receive the best and most appropriate care. That's quite a mouthful, Jim. I, I was asking for a sound bite. I need one sentence that combines all that into something I can actually remember. Try it again, and then I will try and mimic you. So you want the, you want the short version? I want the short, concise Reader's Digest version. Okay, let me think of a short version. Unfortunately, I can't care for you in this situation or offer you medical advice at this time. Please come and see me in the office. Let me try that. I'm sorry, but unfortunately, I cannot care for you in this particular situation. Please make an appointment and see me in the office. Now, when they say, but doc, come on, I got this pain. I need some help right now. If your pain is... Same thing. Same thing. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I care about your pain. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I really do care about any patient who's in pain, but I can't evaluate you in this situation. Lastly, Jim, have you seen any doctor actually document an encounter from a cocktail party. I've never seen the cocktail party encounter, encounter documented. Should we create one and, and distribute it to all physicians? Should we raise awareness that this is occurring and that they should be documenting every conversation they have? Are you admitting to me that your conversation at a cocktail party constitutes a physician-patient relationship? I may not consider it a physician-patient relationship. The patient may... And the attorney who listens to that patient may. Let's put it this way. We're at the Reach MD annual party. Yes. Okay? Yes. And you and I do not have a physician-patient relationship. And I come up to you and I say, Dr. Larry, I've enjoyed your shows so much. Can I talk about this agonizing pain I'm having in my chest? You choose to document my complaint and the advice that you gave to me regarding that complaint. Have you then just established the existence of the physician-patient relationship we've talked about during this program that d that didn't exist. It sounds like I have, even though I didn't want to. I think that that's correct. So on that piece of paper, I should say this is, this is a new patient of mine, and I've advised him to call 911 immediately. No, what you should say is uh, nothing on the piece of paper, and once again, tell the patient when I approach you at the cocktail party that this is not a physician. You do, you do not have a relationship with this individual as a physician, and it's not an appropriate environment to dispense any type of treatment advice. I, I want to I wanna understand this clearly because I think it's important. Are you saying that I should not write anything down, that there should be no piece of paper documenting that encounter? Your advice to the individual should be, if you're concerned enough, go to an emergency room or call 911. But unfortunately, I cannot treat you as your physician. If you want to establish a relationship with me as your physician, please come and see me in the office. There should be no documentation of that encounter because you don't want your documentation to turn into proof 
that you've established a relationship, which doesn't exist. So ultimately, that is really how I can care for that person the best. That is actually giving the best medical care possible by saying exactly what you said. That's right. Because if you don't give that best medical care and participate in that best practice, all you're doing is encouraging that individual to go to more cocktail parties and ask right. for more curbside advice and never actually get the evaluation or workup that he or she needs. I am ultimately enabling them to receive poor medical care. You would be an enabler, a yes. cocktail party <laughs> enabler. On that note, I would like to thank you very much, Jim Bream, for coming on the show and telling us the state of affairs in terms of giving advice at cocktail parties. You have been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments, questions, or any interesting legal cases you'd like to discuss, please send them to xm at reachmd.com. And thanks for tuning in.